Hello, and welcome to Rewildology, the show that explores conservation, travel, and rewilding the planet. I'm your host, Brooke Mitchell-Norman, conservation biologist and adventure traveler. We're mixing it up and taking a small pause from guest interviews. It's been a hot second since I sat down and talked with you all directly. If I think about it, the last episode that I sat down and chatted with just you and me was episode 34. Man, that's a hot second ago. Called How to Save a Tiger. Clearly, I'm well overdue to share what I've been learning recently, and I'm pumped to dive into this new and emerging topic. But before we get into the meat and potatoes that is today's episode, I want to take a moment to express how happy I am when any of you reach out and say hi. I want to give a particular shout out to Elise in Australia for totally making my day. Girl, little did you know that when you messaged me, I had just lost someone very near and dear to my family. And I was completely devastated, but you really lightened up my tragic day. So thank you, Elise, so much. And for real, to anybody else, I swear I'm a real person. (laughs) And you will totally get a reply from me if you reach out. This show is still 100% managed by me. I do not have any assistance or anything, at least at this point. So just reach out and say hi. Um, Instagram is a great place, at Rewardology, or email at hello at Rewardology.com. They're both always open and available. And one last announcement for you all. I don't know if you remember back from episode 33, but the amazing Terry Parker, who was the uh, who was the super inspirational executive director of Rocky Mountain Wild, she recently contacted me to let me know that their organization is hosting the Wild and Scenic Film Festival on November 4th. I checked out the film lineup and holy crap, they all look seriously so amazing. The festival is virtual this year. And so if any of you want to join, you can easily hop on from anywhere around the world. You can purchase a ticket at RockyMountainWild.org. And of course, if you do end up going, let me know. I would love to hear what your thoughts are on the films. And I'm sure Terry would love to hear as well. So just let me know. Reach out, Instagram, you know, all the ways. Just get a hold of me. All right, everyone. That is all I have for opening announcements. Let's get today's episode all about nature-based solutions. At this point in 2021, we are all well aware that we need to make drastic changes on a societal level if we're going to combat climate change, halt biodiversity loss, and increase people's quality of life, which (laughs) feels like a really tall order with all the conditions of today. And while many past initiatives were implemented with the best intentions, most have fallen short of their promises. Global temperatures are still rising, weather patterns are becoming more extreme and unpredictable, food security is anything but, and ecosystems are collapsing at alarming rates. Setting aside pieces of land for sake of conservation just isn't enough anymore. We need a new way of thinking, a fully comprehensive solution to societal problems, and we might have just that, nature-based solutions for society's biggest challenges. So what are nature-based solutions? And this question is what started this entire rabbit hole of mine that led to this episode because I keep hearing this term over and over, but I had absolutely no idea what it was. So according to the IUCN, and again, the IUCN is the International Union for Conservation of Nature, nature-based solutions, or NBS, you might see the acronym as, are, quote, actions to protect 
sustainably manage and restore natural or modified ecosystems that address societal challenges effectively and adaptively, simultaneously providing human well-being and biodiversity benefits. Phew, that was a mouthful, and I stumbled on that so many times. Let me translate what the definition means. Nature-based solutions leverage natural processes to comprehensively solve society's biggest issues. In other words, NBS or nature-based solutions work with nature, not against it. Nature-based solutions are relatively new in the conservation and sustainability fields. Even though ecosystem services have been recognized by indigenous societies as integral contributors to human well-being, the term wasn't coined by scientists until the 1970s when it was fully understood that natural processes are imperative for human health. So the acceptance and eventual promotion of nature-based solutions came to be when massive organizations, including the World Bank and IUCN, went scouring the globe looking for solutions to society's greatest challenges that complemented nature and its processes instead of solely relying on modern-day engineering. And unlike other forms of conservation, nature-based solutions also strive to create sustainable livelihoods for communities, which tends to be left out of conservation planning, as most of us are well aware of in all of the conflict that have arisen with people being moved out of protected areas, and on and on and on. As I was diving deep into the literature that is out there about nature-based solutions, and there's quite a bit out there, and I highly recommend everybody checking out the resources for this episode, as well as doing some additional research, but one of the biggest features that's so exciting about nature-based solutions is the power of NBS for creating green or blue cities. And this is critical, because listen to this. About only 40% of urban areas that will exist in year 2030 are currently present, meaning a crap ton of infrastructure has yet to be built. So designing blue and green cities will be vital for halting future biodiversity loss and managing climate issues. I mean, you've all been in crazy downtowns that are super, super hot and stuffy. Just imagine what Vegas will be like if climate change continues. We'll get into specific case studies in a minute, but some other example nature-based solutions include restoring coral and mangrove ecosystems to protect cities from devastating flooding, restoring and conserving local forests to manage water flow and increase food security, and building green infrastructure to improve air quality, reduce pollution, and increase city aesthetics. Because who doesn't love a big old beautiful tree in a building? After hearing all this, though, you may be thinking to yourself, cool, Brooke, same song, second verse. But how can nature-based solutions tackle the issues that we've been trying to solve for decades? This is a great question. Nature-based solutions are distinctly different from classic conservation strategies as they're specific to the location and issue in question. And most importantly, they involve all stakeholders. They can be developed as a new solution altogether, i.e. green infrastructure in cities, in conjunction with existing conservation projects, example, restoring fish stocks in a protected wetland for increased food security, or to sustainably manage restored ecosystems and increase people's livelihoods. So how exactly then are nature-based solutions different from conservation specifically? 
So conservation's main function is to protect and preserve biodiversity and ecosystems, which has led to the creation of national parks, protected areas, and environmental laws. Conservation does not address sustainable livelihoods or the people that live with wildlife in most situations. Its sole purpose is to protect nature for the future. Nature-based solutions are also distinctly different from the emerging rewilding movement. The process of rewilding ecosystems is just that. Us getting out of the way and letting nature restore ecosystems with little to no human intervention other than things like removing damaging infrastructure and reintroducing species that have been like extirpated from their former range. Okay, that is a great overview of what nature-based solutions are and how they're different from other conservation strategies. And so now I would love to dive into two case studies that really showcase the power of nature-based solutions. This first project is really cool because it is in my own backyard here in Colorado, USA. And I was not aware that this was a nature-based solution until I started to dive more into this project itself. So I recently moved to a northern suburb of Denver, about 45 minutes away from Fort Collins. And for my husband's birthday, I decided to buy us some new and improved bike gear to explore the Poder Trail along the Cache Lo Poder River and go brewery hopping until we decided we had reached our limit for tasty craft beer and good food. I had never biked in Fort Collins before. And so while planning the trip, I was immediately impressed by the length and accessibility of the Poder Trail. Little did I know that this trail was part of a massive project to restore the riparian ecosystems, control damaging seasonal floods, increase biodiversity, enhance residents' lives, and create a greener and bluer Fort Collins. The project had many, many moving parts. Dams and concrete river banks were removed. The river was reconnected with its floodplains. Native vegetation and trees were planted along the river to reestablish healthy riparian ecosystems. The wetlands were restored and so much more. Businesses also experienced a boost in profits and we were the perfect example. I wouldn't have chosen that activity for Lee's birthday shenanigans if that trail wasn't there for us to explore. Next on the list for awesome nature-based solution case studies is restoring forests in Rwanda. And just in case you're not sure where Rwanda is, it is in Eastern Africa and is an infamous destination for gorilla trekking. And interestingly, preceding the 1994 genocide, Rwanda experienced a population boom that subsequently put a ton of pressure on natural resources. Forests were felled to make way for agriculture, which is the country's main livelihood, and wood for cooking. Biodiversity, water and food security, and soil quality significantly decreased, while erosion and pollution saw an equal increase. To address this alarming new state of affairs, the Rwandan government launched the National Forest Policy in 2015 to restore natural and man-made forests. Let me read you these very exciting targets from Vision 2020 listed in a 2018 National Forest Policy. Target 5. The rate of loss of all natural habitats, including forests, is at least halved and where feasible brought close to zero and degradation and fragmentation are significantly reduced. Target 7. Areas under agriculture, aquaculture, and forestry are managed sustainably to ensure conservation of biodiversity. In target 14, ecosystems that provide essential services, including services related to water and contribute to health, 
livelihoods, and well-being are restored and safeguarded, taking into account the needs of women, indigenous, and local communities, and the poor and vulnerable. This project has been wildly successful. Restoring the forest has provided local communities with forestry and agroforestry jobs, aligning with the poverty alleviation strategies that I just listed. Food security has also improved from sustainable agricultural practices. This is so exciting. In 2019, Rwanda announced that they had reached their restoration goal of 30% total forest land coverage a year ahead of schedule. They're on pace to reach their 2 million hectare pledge to contribute to the bond challenge. This challenge was launched in 2011 and set a worldwide goal of restoring 150 million hectares of forest. I scoured the internet looking for a status update on Vision 2020, and I couldn't find it. So if any of you do happen to stumble upon that, please send it my way. Uh, put it in the comments anywhere or just send it to me via email. I would love to read that. And if I stumble upon it, I'll make sure all of you read that as well. So all of this sounds amazing. As I was reading the literature, I was like, why the hell are we not doing this with everything? Why are nature-based solutions aren't included on every single conservation issue or society issue from here on out? Well, I need to discuss that point as well. Nature-based solutions aren't a silver bullet. In some circumstances, solving an issue through nature-based solutions is not the best option or may simply be a great complementary solution to an existing project. And this next point I really wanna stress, nature-based solutions do not negate the immediate need for government and industries to drastically reduce their carbon footprint to combat climate change. While forest restoration is fantastic for carbon sequestration, it will not reverse the effect of millions of metric tons of carbon being released into the atmosphere every single year by industries. I really like the way WWF lead scientist Jeff Opperman put it. Just like you would never put all of your money into one stock, we shouldn't rely on one solution for climate change. We need to diversify our climate mitigation strategies and create a robust portfolio, which nature-based solutions accomplish. So what can you do with all of this information? So no matter if you're a community member or a business owner, Become involved in projects that utilize nature-based solutions. See what ideas are being proposed in city council meetings and at the voting polls, then let your voice be heard and support. Remember, you are a global citizen and a stakeholder in your community. Your voice matters. If you agree that nature-based solutions are a great way to green our cities, enhance people's lives, and combat climate change, then see what you can do to support or propose a nature-based solution in your area. All right, everyone, that is what I have for you today on nature-based solutions. If you like this style episode and would want me to do more in the future, let me know. Reach out if you find that these are valuable to you and sharing what I'm currently learning. I would be more than happy to put more together in the future. Again, if you love the show and you're not yet subscribed, please subscribe wherever you're listening. It is a fantastic way to help other people find the show and have more people be inspired to participate in conservation. November is coming together and it's going to be a fantastic month full of such inspiring guests. I'm so excited to release the next round of interviews for you all. Thank you so much for listening. 
Hey, thanks again for listening to this episode of Rewildology. If you like what you heard, hit that subscribe button to never miss a future episode. Do you have a cool environmental organization, travel story, or research that you'd like to share? Let me know at rewildology.com. Until next time, friends, together we will rewild the planet. <laughs>